Hello, I'm Demi. And I'm Melinda. And we're here to talk all things parent juggles, struggles and baby bubbles and everything in between. Also, if you've got to spare two seconds, a rating or a review goes such a long way for a new podcast like ours. It means the world to us and it helps new listeners find our podcast. We're back for Ep 2, Season 2. Yes, and what an Ep. I know! (laughs) We actually put Ash at like our top of the goal list when we first started recording Mr Mum's episodes, remember? Mm. Yeah. Like yeah. we made like a wish list of guests. Yeah. And then we – well, Demi, you asked her. You, well, I saw her at, at an event at the Memo. Mm. And I'm like, hi, I'm from Mr <laughs> But you know what's wild? When we were discussing with her, like, oh, my God, we can't believe you're coming to our podcast. She was like, what? Me? Yeah. Like couldn't believe it. I and know. She yeah. was a like all-time lover of our Mr Bottle yeah. with both of her girls. Yeah. Both? Yeah. Can't remember. Oh, definitely her second. Definitely her second. Definitely yeah, Claudette. Claudette. Um, but yeah, loved it. For those of you who don't know Ash Pollard, she's known as the queen of reality TV. Yes, she was on My Kitchen Rules, Dancing with the Stars, and I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Amazing. And then that was pre-kids mm-hmm. and then was a radio host in New, New South, South Wales. Wales. Yep. Um, and then also went on The Traders since having kids. Okay, so she's the type of personality where she like – she calls a spade a spade. Yeah. There is nothing left to the imagination. Like, you don't have to sit there wondering what she's thinking. So, we... We, we know that you'll love this app. Well, obviously you will. <laughs> Hello, Ash. Welcome. Welcome to Geelong. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. Thanks no. for coming down. I got stuck in traffic for you guys this morning. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Oh. But happy to be here because actually after this, I'm going for a massage. Oh, so nice. Yeah. Lucky duck. Look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend we haven't just chatted for the last 30 <laughs> minutes, which we should have been recording, know, but we I didn't. Know. We just practically recorded a whole podcast <laughs> before the actual podcast. Before the podcast. So sorry, everyone, you missed just out. Just bitching about our mother-in-laws and partners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You said which it. is something we can't really record. <laughs> oh, how are you? I'm I'm great. You're looking amazing. Thank you. Thank I you feel very like you're much. Glowing. Not well, that I, know I did you very actually well, give myself a spray tan last night. Oh, nice. yeah. That's why I feel like spray tans can change a person. I agree. How old are the girls? I have two daughters. Yep. They are two and three years old. Clementine and Claudette. And only fifteen months apart. Fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah, four day. Yeah, something like that. that. Something not much. Yeah, not much. (laughs) Yeah, it was brutal. So when I when um, my daughter Clementine was four months old, you can do the math. I was then pregnant with my second Claudette. What (laughs) a wild ride! So wild because neither of them were planned. Yeah. Um, and I was sort of in the height of my career. Not really the height. I was beginning. You know, the, the the. the ball was beginning to roll where I wanted it to go and I was sort of hoping to – I was in breakfast radio at that point. So you were radio host at that time when you first fell pregnant? Yes. Yep. Uh, before that I was on a lot of reality television shows, My Kitchen Rules, Dancing with the Stars, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, blah, 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 all of that, loved it. And I transitioned from reality television into radio. So in terms of – you know, career transitions, it was pretty good because now I was on a solid income, yeah. I'd signed a contract, I knew when I was going to be paid um, and in that industry, that's a really cool thing, an amazing opportunity and that's kind of the trajectory where you aim in some ways, I suppose. So, I was there and hoping to um, – move to a metro radio gig so mm-hmm. I was working in New South Wales but in regional New South Wales like Gosford 
and our radio station, Breakfast Radio, was um, being broadcast to throughout the central coast of New South Wales. And I was there for two years hoping to move to Metro Radio, so like a city job yeah. at some point. So you loved it? Yeah, loved it. Yeah. And they kept saying, yep, we will look at that for you. But after two years had gone by, they were like, you're not quite there yet. Let's just sign you on for another two years. I'm like, okay. And then that two years went and I was like, okay, so now what? Like, where's the goal post now? Because I don't want to keep working in regional radio. I have a goal. And that's when I fell pregnant. Wow. <laughs> what, what, before you fell pregnant, what was your like dream in terms of your career? I never really knew what I wanted to do when I was young. I, I was always pretty much into the arts. I loved acting. I loved dance. Anything that was kind of slightly attention-seeking, I suppose you could say. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I wasn't much of a let's go to uni and study X, Y, Z I'm not, I can't be institutionalised, that's not my personality, not great at studying, get me on the stage. <laughs> and so that's, that was sort of my goal to be at acting. I went to acting school in Sydney, I studied at the Actors Centre for three years and um, then I went to America and went to another acting school there. But Amazing. as I kind of did more of that, I realised that it was going to be a tough slog and I'm going to be poor for quite some time <laughs> and I like the finer things in life girls yeah. you know as you do yeah <laughs> so I thought fuck what am I going to do I, I can't be a barista forever and that's absolutely no disrespect I just I love Wasn't, coin yeah, yeah. You know, I, I that's me so I needed to find something that was going to feed the need and I went back to uni again but I studied events management and whilst I was studying that I my boyfriend at the time said you should audition for this show called My Kitchen Rules and so you weren't a chef you were just no. a good cook I was just a, a person that was interested in cookery not right. but not to like a crazy extent my yeah. mum did say to me oh you should go and study at Le Cordon Bleu because my mum is obsessed with like all kinds of study like got to study this and got to study that you know <laughs> so I was like but I don't want to do that and I went on the show well I auditioned for the show and I was accepted and pretty much the rest is history. Did you ever think did you just think fuck it I'll give it a go like I probably won't get on? I look I'd never really watched the show. Yeah. Um and I wasn't ever really into reality television show. I thought it was a bit of a just like I thought it was fucking lame. Yep. I live for it. Live. <laughs> we know that. <laughs> I didn't I didn't like the drama. Mm. That's wasn't for me. But I thought, well, you're kind of showcasing a talent on this one rather than causing drama. Yep. So I thought, let's just give it a go. And I, we were accepted straight away. Wow. It was kind of crazy. It, it was like a – it happened really quickly and, yeah, the filming took forever because we lasted till the end. It was six months of filming. And after that, the promos sort of started airing as we were filming the last bits of the show – and in the moment when the promo started airing on television, I was like, fuck, that's not me. <laughs> I was like, what? Who's that bitch on telly? You know? And that's when I said to my partner on the show, Camilla, I was like, look at what they're doing. 
to us. Like we've said these things and they're painting us, they're really sort of extenuating or they're, they're really emphasising that element of our character. So we are the, those people but we're not 100% those people but they were really drawing on those elements of our personalities. How were you portrayed? Were you like the... We were the villains. Oh, Yeah, no. like the... the the brash, honest, little rich bitches. Wow. Yeah, which is just so funny because at the time I couldn't even afford fucking two-minute noodles. <laughs> like it's ironic. Um, that's how we were portrayed and I got nervous about that because it, I'm not saying that we weren't those people. We were but that's just a, an element of our personality that they were really highlighting so I said to Camilla, we have time because we're still in the show to iron this out. We can fix this for ourselves so that this is not where it goes for us. And so then we were very, very conscious about what we said mm. and what we did moving forward um, and it worked for us. Yeah. And at the, end of the, at the end of the show when it was released and the episodes came out, we didn't say that we didn't say that or we weren't those type of people, we were like, yeah, that's who we are. Mm. Yep, yep, we're the villains, all right, we're going to roll with it. Because as soon as you start pushing back on that shit, it doesn't work for you. Um, in my experience anyway with reality television, I just jumped on that bandwagon and owned it. Mm. But our, our, uh, the, that element of being a villain was kind of just honesty. We weren't being bitches we were asked, what do you think about the food? And we were like, well, it's shit because it was <laughs> shit. Yeah. You know, like you can't cook. You're just here because you're an inter interesting person or, you know, your dynamic with your partner is such. Mm. I don't want to eat fucking – this is literally what someone served us for dessert one time. Oh. Uh, custard tart that the tart base was like fucking concrete <laughs> and on top was about 70 prunes – Oh. Like, you honestly think that that's nice? I'm going to tell you it's not because it's not. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I'm going to end up on the toilet after this for <laughs> fucking two hours and I'm going to tell you so. It's also good television. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So that's just what happened and you just got to roll with it. Yeah. My dad actually just said before, oh, Ash, I loved Ash on My Kitchen Rule. She used to cook the most interesting things. Oh, thanks so much. <laughs> I appreciate that. I actually hate cooking now. Do you? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, when you have kids, it becomes a chore and you realise yeah. you're going to be doing this for the rest of your life. How real is reality TV, would you say? The shows that I've been on are real. Oh, good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Real to the point that, okay, so there are always producers. Every couple has their own producer, depending on what show. And so producers will lead in with questions and producers do produce mm. but you say what you say mm. so a producer will ask a question that you maybe not have considered at all but they've asked a question about your personality or something that you've done because that's how they want to direct this particular episode mm -hmm. yeah Okay. And so then you'll just dive in and answer or, you know, whatever. Whereas I reckon I clued onto that pretty early on in My Kitchen Rules where a producer was trying to direct a scene or direct some sort of drama and I wasn't willing to participate mm -hmm. in that because I didn't want to be a part of it and we would 
get into trouble with this one producer in particular. We would get into trouble for not answering the question. Like, I don't want to answer that question. I don't want to partake in that drama. I don't believe it's drama. I don't believe it's anything that I want to give attention to at all. And so I suppose that's where reality isn't necessarily reality. And because reality is so popular these days, it, it does have an element of unreality to it but you always say what you say as a participant of reality television you don't ever have to say anything you don't want to ever if it comes out of your mouth unfortunately whatever the context is we don't actually know necessarily all the time but if it's come out of your mouth it's come out of your mouth and a lot of the time so my kitchen rules was the first reality show i ever went on and that was before i had a profile you know i was just off the street Mm. (laughs) plucked you from the gutter plucked me from the gutter (laughs) and and so I was just at the beck and call at the hands of the editor editing suite Mm. but all the other shows that I went on after that I kind of had a little bit of a say in what happened after but I never did actually say oh please don't put that in or Mm. you know or I felt like I was always edited in a in a pretty good light yeah because I'm not a piece of shit. Mm. Yeah. You know, I'm not a kind of a human. I can just be blunt yeah. and yeah. brutal. Yeah. I'm not a maths contestant. <laughs> I never will be, you know. <laughs> but commentate it. That's fair. I'll, I'm happy to do the reviews on Instagram because <laughs> I can't fucking believe those people are actually real. Yeah. So when you went on the show where you were like, this is it, my life's going to change forever now? Or did you look at it as 15 minutes of fame or whatever? Like, Or were you like, now, this is going to be my opportunity, I'm going to make something of it? Obviously, then you fell pregnant. But like, what, like, how did that feel for you trying to climb like in your career, kind of grow? I didn't know what my goal was when I went on My Kitchen Rules. Okay. I didn't know what it was until the until I started seeing the promos and until I started doing the, the PR runs and all of that sort of stuff then I was like oh my god we're actually really popular we didn't win but we were getting more publicity than the winners Mm. and so that's when I thought I could actually do something with this 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 might be it for me this is going to sound really up myself but I actually there's a part of me that really enjoys attention when I'm acting on stage or when I'm in reality that's just my personality that's how I that's just how I've always been I popped out of my parents womb like that (laughs) it might sound fucked but there are people in this world who just love attention not in a malicious way or a self-obsessed way it's just what brings me joy and probably just you like the element of entertaining as well. But also me giving back yeah. and entertaining people mm. and seeing that that makes you laugh. Mm. I just – You get your jollies. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I love that too. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe it's kind of like a little bit selfish in a sense. But I just felt so happy when I was doing that. I, I was like, I'm an idiot if I let this go by and I don't act on it. So I acted on it. Um It just so happened that I signed a contract with Channel 7 at the time that meant I could do absolutely nothing with any other network after the show for like three, four years. I can't remember specifically, but a long time. And um, so I was limited to what I could do and I wanted to pursue television. Mm. And so I, I did something crazy. 
I was in the I was in the office of my publicist and I saw on her telephone a list of like channel seven execs and important people and their phone numbers. <laughs> so I took down the number of the big guy at channel seven, his direct mobile number. And I thought, if I don't call this guy and tell him that he's making a big mistake warehousing me for the next four years and not using me on any other show, if I don't do this, I'll never forgive myself. Mm. So you did it. So you did I did it. it. I wow. called him. See, these are the things you have to do. Like, yeah. you've got to hustle. Like you've got to hustle. You've got to just do these big leaps. That's so And good. I felt sick doing it. I felt sick, but I thought, what have I actually got to lose? Apart from him telling me how dare you call me on my mobile <laughs> or like, you know. I, I called him and, you know, I just said to him, I, I thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, I've absolutely loved working on the show and uh, – you know, as you can see, like the publicities, that's big. I didn't win, but I'm getting lots of publicity. And I think that you're making a big mistake if you don't use me again on another show. And months went by. I flew back to the Gold Coast from Melbourne to spend Christmas with my family. And just before Christmas, I get a call from casting at Channel 7. And they said to me, would you like to be on Dancing with the Stars? And I was like, <laughs> I was like so excited, but I was like, oh, um, oh, I'll just have to just, you know, I, you can't be too excited. I just yeah. played played it too cool. Like, oh, not too excited. I'll just have to check my schedule. So I, I just was so proud of myself in that moment that I did all of these scary things. I did these things that scared me, but all the while I maintained um, – you know, a respect for the industry. I didn't – I wasn't big noting myself. You stayed true to yourself kind yeah, of? Like but yeah, but I wasn't being a fuckwit. Like yeah. I feel like so many people are cocks after mm. reality. Like mm. they automatically think they're fucking Nicole Kidman. Well, mm. you're not, you dumb mm. fuck. <laughs> you know, you're just not. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm still not Nicole Kidman, obvs. <laughs> <laughs> but – I just believe that you you have to be respectful of the industry because people have been in it longer than you. Soz, we're just quickly interrupting the app. We've actually got some fun news. If you would like to promote your business within a Mr. Mum's episode, we actually have that available now because we're pro <laughs> podcasters. <laughs> so just get in contact with Kirsty at mr.com.au. That's K-I-R-S-T-Y at mr.com.au. So take us back. So you met Pete. Yep. And you're a radio host. And had you guys discussed having kids or not having kids? Or not really? Well, not really, but yes, you know, he, I, I knew that Pete wanted children and I did too, but it wasn't like something that we wanted, wanted in the next three years. Yeah. Um, although he's four years older than I was and we met, um, I was in my early 30s, so he was like, I don't know, 34, 35 or something like that. And I wasn't, yeah, I like... I used to be really maternal in my 20s and then in my 30s I just was like, nah, I don't – Wow. It's not that I didn't want children. I just got over kids. Mm -hmm. And so I was just so focused. I had my blinkers on and so focused about just – 
being successful in my career. And success meant to me um, paying my bills <laughs> at that point in time. Yeah. And it wasn't fame or anything like that. It was making money to, you know, hopefully at, at some point buy myself a house, mm. which I did. I've yeah. done. I built it. That's so amazing. fucking cool. Yeah. But it wasn't ever fame. It was just to support myself and and yeah 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 so then you find out you're pregnant and you're like holy shit yeah <laughs> how I found out was just insane because I was um how old was I like 34 or 5 yeah I had started sort of saying to Pete because we'd been together for four years listen I'm getting a bit older now, sort of nearing that geriatric age, which is 35. Like, fuck off yeah. with that terminology, mm. please. Mm. And I said, look, I've been on the pill my whole life. I'm going to go off it because I'm worried that I might have um, like polycystic ovaries or something like that because my sister has that. She's younger than me. So I'm going to go off them, get the tests and – Hopefully in a couple of years we might start having kids. And that was that. I did all of that separately to him because we were living in different states. And I started to get, at the end of the year, started to get like really sick and lethargic and I'm like, fuck, this polycystic ovaries is no good. (laughs) So I got an appointment with a gynecologist and I went there and she lubed up this probe and she's like, lay back, legs in stirrups. In goes the probe. Was that the internal? Internal examination to check out yeah. the... The polycystic ovaries. Yeah. <laughs> to get the, you know, the official <laughs> diagnosis and where do we go from here. Was that all up until that point self-diagnosed? Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a Google doctor. <laughs> but also like my... I was... I had like up and down emotions constantly after I was on the pill. Like fucking hell, you know. I got mad, but really mad and then really sad. So my emotions were crazy and then I started to feel really sick after I went off the pill. So that's how calm. I was like, oh, it's definitely polycystic. Then I went to the gynecologist. I had an internal exam. She put the probe up and literally within five seconds of her inserting the probe, she said, shit. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God. What? And she goes, shit, again. And I was like, what? (laughs) Thinking that, you know, cancer immediately comes to my mind. And she said, you're pregnant. And I went, fuck! (laughs) And the probe shot out of my vagina. And then I started to scream cry because (laughs) I was not expecting that. You know, I was just expecting, okay, you got polycystic. That's what we're going to do. Blah, blah, blah. But I've got a baby inside me and I can see it on the screen and I'm like, like, I don't even own anything. How am I going to have this baby? Like, I can't. I, I buy acai bowls every morning. Do you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? I can't even look after myself. How am I going to have this kid? So that was like a real shock for me and a real reality check to be Mm. like what are you doing and so I was like I've got to tell Pete what am I gonna do so I like cried the whole way home of like shock not of sadness or anything and I got home and I was like Pete I really need to talk to you because I had that scan and um 
it's not what I expected. And he's like, oh, okay, you are right. And I sat down on the couch and I was like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and he was just like, oh, wow, it's okay. Like, it's fine. <laughs> and, yeah, we just were so shocked. And that is how it had to be for us yeah. because we were never going to make the call. Yeah. We were just never going to go, it's time to start trying for kids. No. Ever. Okay. Okay. And that's, yeah, that's, that's how the story it. went. Clementine. Clementine, Clementine yep. yep. That's how she was conceived. Okay, um, so the rest is history. With rest your first pregnancy. pregnancy. Yeah. So did you stop work? Like, did you quit work? Did you, is when that did how you did you tell work? Um, so uh, I, like, I waited until after the 12-week thing mm. and, um, and then I told work and we did a whole big announcement on the radio and it was pretty cool. And then COVID started and I was like, I said to my boss, I can't be pregnant here in New South Wales and have all of this random COVID stuff, uh, the unknown yeah. unravelling. I need to go back home and I need to do the radio show from home. Because I was massive by this point. And they were like, okay, that's fine. So I went home. I did the radio show from the studios in Melbourne. And then when COVID started to get really hectic, I then did like a setup like this at home and did the breakfast show from home. Um, yeah, and then I, I had my daughter and I was off for – I can't – honestly, it was a blur. I don't know how long I was off work for. And I went to go back – and they were like, you need to come back to New South Wales. And I was like, what? I have a newborn baby. I don't think so. Well, it wasn't, she wasn't newborn at that point. but You have a baby. I have a baby. I can't come back by myself and do like a 4am start. Like who's going to look after my baby? I can't take the baby away from the dad. Mm. So they were like, well, you're not doing the show from Melbourne. And I was like, what? Don't we live in a new world post-COVID? <laughs> like it's fine, isn't yeah. it? But no, it wasn't fine. So then in the end, I ended up negotiating a contract that saw me step away from that role. But I remained in the company and I was sort of on call to fill in for any other breakfast radio show around Australia. Hmm. And then that was it. My contract finished at the end of that year and I fell pregnant. <laughs> Again. Again. <laughs> How did you find out this time? Um... The same symptoms that I felt. Your polycystic yeah. ovaries. <laughs> yeah, they're all, again. Yeah, they yeah. get you good. They're back. Hell, they're back. <laughs> I, yeah, same symptoms again. And I was breastfeeding. I was only four months. Uh, sorry, Clementine was four months old. So four months postpartum, still sort of breastfeeding. And I was, was feeling really tired and sick again. And I'm like, as if, like we've only had shagged once. No. Bullshit. Yeah. So you literally have sex once, haven't had your period back, and bang. Yeah. Wild. Wild. So it just probably happened to be right before you were about to get your period for the first time. You didn't know because that's – I don't know. I don't even know how it works. Pretty this sure that's how it works. Honestly. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. I could seriously go into that. Like yeah. the ovulations. You, you know? ovulate 12 days before your next cycle. So you were probably I actually like – don't want to know. That's how you failed pregolates. <laughs> like that's how it happened. Craze, mm. but like the one time you engage in that activity, not unfortunate, but yes. <laughs> so you what? had sex once, you fell pregnant again. Yep. 
How, what was what was it like mentally then? Like I was dark. It was yeah. it was a dark time for me uh, when I had Clementine. Um, the the birth was a bit traumatic because it ended up. I ended up labouring for 24 hours and then it turned into an emergency C-section. But how the staff dealt with me was probably what really... um, Cooked you? Yeah, cooked me. Uh, You know, they were awful to Pete as well and it was just horrible. Is it because of COVID? Like, was that because of COVID? Yeah, so they thought... Um, because in the middle of my 24-hour labour, I was like, oh, I'm hot, I'm cold, I'm hot, I'm cold, I'm hot, I'm cold. They're like, oh, she's got COVID, let's do a test. And then Im- immediately the dickheads didn't send away for a rapid test. They sent away for like a fucking, I don't know, six-hour-long wait test. So then I had to go into confinement. Oh. And so they treated me like I was... You know, someone who had some really shockingly contagious disease, which I didn't actually even have. Yeah. And so then I was rushed in. Um, she was cut out of me. Uh, it was just oh, yuck. It was gross. I could feel it all happening. Caesarean is not like they advertise it. It is gross. <laughs> Jimmy loves hers. What? I've had three. Yeah. Oh, I could feel them in there like a toolbox rifling around really? in the... Yeah. But were yours planned? Yeah. So it's a different drug. I reckon, yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. I didn't know that. That's why. Yeah. I reckon. Mine with elective, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. Because then the second one, Claudette, for me, um, was – I was trying for a natural birth. um, But then in the end they bribed me with a private hospital. uh, Yeah. And I decided that I'd go for the private hospital with the cesarean. Was that better? Um, Still, like, just a fucked experience. Yeah, okay. But – Felt better in my tummy. Yeah, okay. That was know. the planned. That was the planned one. Felt better. I wasn't for ready you. for a second kid in my head. Well, yeah, because yeah. I was still fucked from the first. Because my parents also divorced uh, two oh. weeks after I had my stop. Yeah, it was hell. And you, did you see that coming? No, it was a shock. Yeah, and then COVID, and so you know you're locked away in a different state. I couldn't see any of my. Um, parents, you weren't allowed to go walking in the street for longer than 20 minutes. The army came to our house, you know, rocked up in the fucking truck and got out in their uniforms to make sure that you were staying at home. Like, oh can you believe God. we lived through that? Mm. Yeah, that's no, wild. Crazy. And I had a brand new baby, had no support from anyone, mm. anyone, and I was going mad in my head. What like, did a dark day look like for you? Like how did your day – were you literally crying all day? Were you just unable – like – Like I did not want a single person to touch Clementine. Oh. I was so paranoid about – I thought people were trying to break into the house. Um, I was so incredibly uh, sad about everything because of all of the things that have happened, mm-hmm. you know, the birth and then the lockdown and then my parents – there was too many things for me to deal with in my head. I could, I didn't know where to start. Mm-hmm. And because you're so tired, you know, in the beginning you are just so tired because you're getting up every three hours. And then, well, not everybody does, but I was every three hours to feed my baby. There was no time for me to process all of the things that had happened because all I was just trying to do was keep my baby alive, mm. you know. What was it like for your relationship at that point? Like, do you recall? I just, we just, uh, I don't ever recall. I I don't recall being understood. I think Pete was just like, she's gone nuts, mm. you know, and he didn't have the bandwidth or the knowledge to deal with uh, 
an unhinged new mother who's just gone through all of this stuff, mm. you know, he he doesn't know how to deal with all of that. Did you picture yourself turning that way or having that? I had no expectation. I didn't okay. know. Like has anything like that happened to you in your life before where you've had like not a meltdown or breakdown like kind of or had you ever been to a such a deep dark place before having children? No, but I've always been an, an anxious person. Okay. So I've always dealt with anxiety. I've always sort of had a therapist, you know, mm. when I've gotten to the heightened stages of anxiety, I engage a therapist to sort of get me back on track and then I've been able to manage it. Um, but at that point with all of those things happening, I couldn't manage it anymore. I was never suicidal, but I was – it was like I was in a well looking up at the light and I couldn't, I couldn't understand how to get out of here. Even though there were some sort of like, you know, little hooks there that you could grab onto, I was like, but how, how do I get out even with those there? Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I could see that mm. there was a bit of light but I just couldn't get to it. Yep. It seemed a long way away. And that's a lot of I, – I believe too with depression and anxiety, people don't – people that don't have it don't understand how that can happen to someone's mind. You're out of, you're out of control. You have no control but you've got to try at some point to establish a little bit of control, like a tiny bit, and then you kind of work on that moving forward right. and sort of grasping at anything where you can to get out of it. But for me, really, it was sleep deprivation. Yeah. That was massive. Sleep deprivation's fucked. Fucked up. Yeah. It can ruin you. Yeah. You know, I at, mean, they at, used it as torture in war. At what point did you seek how, at what point were you like, oh, I actually need help here? Um, well, I went on uh, – I, I also hated my mother's group. Fucking yeah. hated it. I never went either. I, oh. I, I, I went because I was desperate. I even engaged to have coffee with a mum there. And Ugh. whilst I was in having the coffee, I was like, this fucking woman is so annoying. <laughs> I was like, why am I even here? It's a waste of my time. I don't care that your kid shat in the car seat. Like, yeah. I don't want to know about it. That doesn't – that's not me. I didn't like it. And so then I went to a psych, you know, maybe two months in or something like three months in and I didn't gel with that psych. Then I went to another psych, didn't gel with that psych. I'm it like, no one's listening to me. I don't want to talk to you and just get it out. I want you to fix me. Yeah. And then a doctor put me on some um, anti-anxiety medication and going on – those kinds of meds actually is really hard because you've got two weeks of like the come on stage where your brain's rewiring itself differently. So you're in another world. Like you got – it's hard. Was that your first time going on it? Like you were yeah, like – I've never been on yeah, right. medication for yeah. anything except yeah. for the pill. Yeah. And that was awful. And I went on that for a bit and I felt like my – I'm quite an emotional person anyway. I just didn't cry at anything. And I got tinnitus, so I was like, "What's that? Where your ears ring?" Ah, oh. yeah. And now, I've, now I've got tinnitus forever. forever. Oh wow! And it flares up really badly when I'm really anxious. So it's like now, now a symptom of my anxiety. So I went off those meds, went on some more meds, just didn't like it. Fell pregnant, couldn't go on any more meds, and yeah. Then I tr- then I tried medicinal marijuana, CBD oil. Mm. 
it takes the edge off. But like, I don't know. I, I like I'm not on any medication now, and I'm still not a hundred percent. I'm still really tired. I'm still reeling from the things that happened to me in the past because I've not really dealt with them properly. Yeah. And as I even say that to you, I can I can feel it bubbling in my chest because it's kind of like. You're admitting it to yourself that you haven't dealt with things, and I know I'm the first person to admit that you know, like I'm not well, or I've I've not dealt with that, or I need to set boundaries mm. with you because I I you know in in my immediate life I have set boundaries with people, but they don't know that I've set them with them. I've kind of just I haven't actually explicitly said this is the boundary I'm setting with you. Yep. I've just said, hey, this is not what I want. Please don't come over unannounced. Um, I don't like that and they take offence to that rather than hearing mm. that maybe I'll respect that. It's not about me. I'm just going to respect that because she's obviously going through something right now. Mm. Some people are so fucking selfish. Mm. Like I'm, I've got two brand new children. They're still babies, they're two still, and three. What the hell? so little. And I'm a mum yeah. who's trying to do it all because yeah. that's what women have to do these days apparently. Mm. We've got to fucking do it all. Yep. Be the mum, be the chef, be the psych, work full-time, contribute. Yeah, like, fuck off. What's mm. happening? Yeah, it's wrong, isn't it? It's so wrong, but yeah. we have to do it. I mean, you don't have to, but, you know, I for my own sanity at the moment, you know, I don't want to be like, oh, Pete, I just, I really need some money. Can you pop that? No, fuck that. I'm just going to quickly go and get it myself. <laughs> yeah. To my own detriment. Yeah. Yeah, okay. To my own demise. I put all this shit on myself. I could help myself. So many issues. <laughs> oh. I, I actually see a psychiatrist now, by the way. Oh, yeah. Because oh. a psychologist wasn't doing it for me. And has that been good? Better. Better? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm too, I'm too headstrong. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like you need someone that's just your exact personality that's going to tell you it as it is instead of like tiptoeing around you as well. Like it's like you can't have anything sugar coated. And it's a guy, by the way, not a woman. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't – he's not judgmental Mm. in saying that what I'm doing is wrong or whatever. He paints the bigger picture which helps me see it. Mm. The counsellor I was seeing before that would get angry at me in sessions. Like I had an anxiety attack in a fucking counselling session once because she was like, stop talking. Like, oh I, my yeah, gosh. and I'm like, what? That you can't. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's weird. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you found someone that speaks your language. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it is trial and error, but also you do have to stick it out to know that whoever you're with, your therapist that you're with, is not right. You can't mm. just decide after three goes that they're not right. You got to, it's all about consistency. Fucking annoying. It's expensive. It's yeah. time consuming. So time consuming, especially when, as you just said, you're trying to do it all. Like how do you give yourself this time to heal and to deal with what's going on when you've got to be everything else for your two kids? It's, you know what I mean? I don't it's, know how. No. Unless you've got a million trillion dollars. Exactly. How do you do it? Because yeah. once you've finished your session, you then have to go back to doing things for your family. Yeah. How do you do it? Yeah. I don't have the answer for you. Yeah. So we're just quickly interrupting the app. We've actually got some fun news. If you would like to promote your business within an Mr. Mum's episode. We actually have that available now because we're pro podcasters. <laughs> so just get in contact with Kirsty at mr.com.au. That's K-I-R-S-T-Y at mr.com.au. 
do you feel like you are sort of a little bit out of the woodworks now in terms of like obviously you're a lot better than what you were yeah but I mean like with your kids now that little bit older not babies like baby babies anymore does it feel like you're kind of coming through I feel like I've definitely come out of that horrendously tired stage so I've I've reached the top of that well and I'm I'm hanging over it. Yeah, because you, know? you would okay. have just gone newborn, pregnant, tired, newborn. Like That's there was rough. no <laughs> there was no break in between. No. Like you literally just didn't sleep for that whole time. They call my kids Irish twins. Yes. <laughs> so they're not fully twins where they're just at the same stage every time. One of them does a stage and the other one does it directly after them. Whereas, you know, people who have Slide slightly bigger age gaps. They do the stage, they have a rest, yeah, and then they come back to yep. that stage again. There's no rest for moi, yeah, and there's no doing it at the same time. I struggle a lot with um, uh, moderating my frustrations and and outbursts of like frustration and anger. Um, so, like the gentle parenting thing for me, I really try that. I really, really try it. But once I sort of hit my limit of the gentle parenting, then I'm like, stop it! <laughs> Sit down! Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, but I've already me. asked that's like too. seven times. Mm. Or, you know, it's, okay, mummy says, da, and I'm going to count to three and if you're not going to do that, I'm going to come and whatever. So then that happens and then they start tantruming and then I fucking lose it. Mm. But I try I still try and I find that really hard. Yeah. I feel your pain. That's yeah. Me too. My closest thing to gentle parenting is probably bribery, but then they're like, you shouldn't bribe. I'm like, well, it's the only thing that works. Otherwise, I'm going to scream. So. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good with n- the not bribing thing. Mm. Um, My life's a bribe. What are you bribing with, lollies? Oh, just anything. Like, TV, do this and I'll do this. Time. I'll give you this if you do this. Oh, I've, I've offered money to my what? kids. Oh, my son you, loves I mean, money. You got three, so that another one in the mix is like another deal. I suppose you get to a certain point after you've had so many children. You lose the plot at two. Anything after that, I always say. Like, yeah. yeah. You're just like, what whatever is this going to get yeah. me through the day? Yeah. Yeah. When did you go to Masada? Was oh. it Clementine or Claudette? I went with my first Clementine. Yeah. So I booked in at about four months old. You can't take them until they're about five or six yep. when, when they can actually be sleep trained. Um, so I booked in quite early because the wait list was long and Masada is a, a private hospital uh, for to teach your babies how to sleep essentially and for tired mums. It's five nights. And when they accepted me, she started sleeping through. At home? <laughs> yep. And I thought, fuck it, I'm going anyway. Mm. Have a break. Yep, I'm, I'm out of here. Au revoir. Au revoir, Pete. Yeah. And I went and it was actually fantastic. Even though she slept through the whole time we were there um, and everybody else's kids were screaming, I actually learned that I'd been feeding her to sleep. Yeah, okay. So I'd got the feeding around the wrong way. Yeah. So I wasn't feeding her. I, I'd feed her half a bottle when she woke up and then half a bottle when she went to bed because she was just like um, – I know that sounds crazy but that's sort of how she – She's a bit of a picky eater. Not not picky. She is like a – like eats like a bird, like a snacky. She's a nibbler. Nibbler. Mm. And I was doing that wrong. And – I mean, it's not wrong, mm. but it just could you have been know. easier. First time mum. Yeah. It yeah. just could have been easier. So then, you know, that kind of routine changed and 
I started to feed her when she woke and then it was a clearer routine. So feed when she woke and then it was time for playtime and walks and blah and then it was, okay, now we're going to get ready for another sleep time. Mm. And for me, just having that routine and that clarity around that particular time was so good to learn. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. And then I went back with Claudette. I went with Claude when she was four months old, unable to be sleep trained, but this was when I was in my depths of despair and I needed to get away from my own home and my Clementine and Pete and I needed support. And because I had no support around me, I needed to go and go to this hospital Mm -hmm. to get the support and I slept the whole time I was there because that's all I needed. Mm -hmm. And the only reason why they let me do that was because I had – it was extenuating circumstances. I had notes from doctors. It was like it was, it was dire. Yeah. I needed that. So your postnatal depression was tenfold after Claudette. Yeah, yeah, big because I didn't have any time to recover from the first one. First one yeah. yeah, I was still reeling Plus from what happened to my. You've still got parents. a one year old. Yeah, like, like one year old's a baby still. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah. So I I did that and I was able to sleep and then I booked her in to actual sleep training when she was six months old. So I went back again. Yeah. And now I have kids that sleep from seven till seven. So good. How much resent did you form at that time for Pete? I don't know if I like – I don't know if I resent him or ever resented him. No, like during that that period. Oh, you didn't. Okay. No, I just – I was sad and kind of a bit annoyed that he couldn't understand – what I was going through. And it would be so hard for a partner, a male partner, to understand what the female partner is going through. Yeah. Guys are not made the same way as us. And our hormones wreak havoc on our bodies and we have no control over it. Even myself was having these out-of-body experiences looking back at myself going, what the fuck are you carrying on about? Like, what is this? Waking up in the middle of the night thinking someone is breaking in, getting up, checking every single lock and window and looking through and total paranoia. Where is that coming from? Did you think it was just a random burglar? Like, what's that word? Burglar. Burglar. I, I didn't know. I, I just yeah. didn't know. Any noise or just even even now with our brand new house, uh, the security system is like Fort Knox because <laughs> I'm still paranoid. <laughs> I'm on these Facebook groups that talk about, you know, burglars that come around your neighbourhood and what they're doing. And so, you know, we've spent all this money on this fucking system because of my um, – women are like this though. Yeah. You know, we don't want anything to happen to our children. Yeah. And so that's just what's happened. What's happened, yeah. Oh, I'm a work in progress, guys. <laughs> fucking hell. But do you, can you look back now and be like, I'm so proud of myself that I – was yeah. able to dig myself out of that, like climb up the well. Do you know what I mean? Like you've you've actually accomplished so much in getting out of it. Not really. Of, but you have. Like you how have. can you not Give look back? Some credit. How can you not look back at that and go, oh my god, like I have actually come so far. I've got a two year old and a three year old who love you dearly. I guess because I've had no time to think about yeah. it. I've not given myself that time to go. Reflect. Good on you. But then at the same time, Pete would be like, well, why aren't you saying good on me? Mm. Shut up, Pete. I will not be telling him I've recorded this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) 
But also, I, I love him with all of my heart. But I also want to punch him in the fucking face sometimes. That's love, I feel. Yeah. Um, you I just want to shake him. parts punch someone. Yeah. He would say the same thing. I just want to shake you and go to you, oh, why don't you understand me? Mm. Yeah. Because so I'm he like, mate, because it's fucking black and white for you <laughs> and it's not the same for me. <laughs> well, you know, no matter how you say it to your partner, I have all of this mental anguish and all of these mental things that I think about that run our family that you don't realise. They mm. still don't believe you. Mm. Yeah, no, they don't. And they're like, well, name it. And you're yeah. like, oh, well, I've got to think about, you know, the groceries. And they're like, well, so do I. Yeah, or I'll, I'll do them. And I'm like, but I still have to think about them for you to go. Yeah, like, like that doesn't help. Or, or on the day that he cooks dinner, which I'm like, okay, you got to cook dinner on a Wednesday and a Sunday, okay? Just that's your job, please. Think about every the fucking day. Where do you want to go for dinner, or what do you want me to cook? I'm just like, it's your fucking job. <laughs> just two days of the week. Yeah. Like, listen. <laughs> Fuck's sake, I've got to think about what smorgasbord I'm going to make the kids for breakfast. Then I've got to clean it up. Then I've got to go in that fucking morning after I've dropped them to daycare, do the fucking groceries. I've got to think about what the meal is at 10am and the meal's not for another seven hours. (laughs) It's like you've hit the nail on the head. I'm like... One day I actually had to write down in my notes all the things going on in my head because I couldn't explain to my husband what they were. No, so you, I just, you can't think about them when they ask you, what are yeah. they? I'm like, You're I don't know, just so much stuff. So I wrote a list down in my notes and I said, this is the mental real estate going on in my life right now. It wasn't anything dramatic, but it was just a list of all the things. Mm. And I'm like, it's not just the doing things that I need help with. It's the mental real estate. Oh, fucking hell. I'm like, get the boys a haircut. I need you to think of that. I need you to look at them and think. I need to get the boys. It's the yeah. smallest things. The fuck? Mm. It? I don't even but, think about that too. Yeah. Like the haircuts. That's the a haircuts. thing. haircuts. I'm like... I need that you got you take the two boys. Dentists. Yep, dentists. Things buying like the new toothbrush heads for the yep. fucking kids' electric toothbrushes. Yep. Gift giving, buying gifts for just yeah. the yep. seventy thousand people in your life. I said to him one like, day, Do you know what it's like to not have deodorant on your shelf when you go to put oh. it on? <laughs> because I don't think you know that. I don't think you know what it's like to not have olive oil in the house. <laughs> oh my things God. just appear. Yeah, things just appear. They just appear. Yeah, like how the fuck does the cleaner get here? Mm. <laughs> oh, I don't even have one. <laughs> oh, you do it? Yeah. Mate, what Me the now. fuck? My mum does my cl- – my mum cleans my house once a week. And then we can do things like go into cupboards and stuff, which is beyond the cleaning. Yeah, Demi gets to like clean out Oh, stuff. and that's another thing. The fucking blokes don't help churn over the clothes that the kids have grown out no, the of. vacuum bags no. and all that shit. Oh, oh and then you've got to like go and give it to the Chazza shops yep. and then the oh. – What about when they need new bathers? Oh. <laughs> or they've grown out of their shoes. Or they stop uh, going in nappies so you've got to buy them knickers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Socks, new socks. Oh, shut the fuck that's up. Anyway, anyway, that's another potty. What are you doing now – to for you and Pete date nights like is that really important to you like what I love date nights yeah, and that's it? just another bone of contention right there is that I always organize them yeah you know like he's like well why aren't you why don't you hug me and I'm like because I'm fucking annoyed at you you didn't organize <laughs> date night you yeah. prick you sometimes know? I think it's not that hard like imagine if one at one time they just came home and said hey I've booked a babysitter I'll take you up for dinner tonight like just the oh that's so nice yeah. feeling Oh, organising babysitters, another thing that you have to do. Yeah. <laughs> I know. 
Um, yeah, look, I last year I organised for every Wednesday afternoon a babysitter to come to our house so that me and Pete could go and play tennis at our local tennis club because it's something that we love doing. Yeah. And we did that consistently. And I thought, well, he'll organise something too, like one night a month, but he never did. And so then I just got annoyed and I got sick of paying yeah. for the babysitter, so I cancelled it. And then, you know, I, I realised that I am the one that books the dates. So when you communicate this with him, what does he say? He gets annoyed. Yeah, Because okay. he's got to do other things. Yeah, okay. So what does he get most annoyed about with you, um, do you think, if, if we were talking to him right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a lot of things. I am impatient. I am – I can be cutting – and I feel like I am those things because I'm, I'm at the end of my tether. Okay. I feel like I feel like in my brain there's so much swirling around in there. I need a bit of help with it, but I don't want to have to tell him. I want him to just guess and you know read my mind. Totally. We all want them to read our minds. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think he would just say that you know we've said to each other before that we are not connected in the way that we used to be. And that is just from sheer exhaustion, from thinking that um, you don't do enough and then he thinks I don't do enough or, you know, maybe a bit of tit for tat here and there. Uh, sorry, like like yeah. the measure up where mm. you're like, well, I do this and then mm. he's like, well, the but I do that. Mm. The comparisons. Yeah. And then he'll say, this is not, this is not a tit for tat scenario and I'm like, well, you started it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're on the same level and you did as yeah, much as and me. And so off me. we go again. <laughs> but it is a lack of, for me, I feel like empathy toward something that I don't have any control over, your hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying. I've gone back on the pill. You know, oh. so I'm making that sacrifice. I didn't want to go back on the pill, but I've gone back on the pill to try and Not level out my hormones. Not even that. <laughs> uh, just level out my hormones. Yeah. yeah. And Has it been better? I don't know yet because yeah, I'm still okay. in the early stages, okay. but my skin's kind of broken out. So now oh. I've like sacrificed my fucking beauty. Look, there's still a lot of work to be done on understanding each other because mm-hmm. we still don't. We still feel like we're hard done by in terms of not the life that we lead but our relationship mm. where we don't understand each other like we used to or maybe we never did. Mm. And because we had children, that's where we've kind of realised maybe we don't. Mm. It brings out a lot, having it, kids. So much, yeah. so much. And it can make you or it can break you. Yeah. And if you don't get through those early years together – yeah. Yeah, it will be tough. I mean, it's you've just tough. gotten through your house build. Like, why did we do that? We decided to do the most financially ridiculous pressure cooker type scenarios in the infancy of our relationship and parenthood. Right. How long again were you guys together before you fell pregnant? Four years, but oh. we'd never lived together. Oh, we were that's in funny. a long Interstate. distance relationship. Yeah, crazy. So, so much of what we're doing is just like crazy, out of control, mm. heightened mm. because of our situation. Yeah, yeah. Would you unpack that with Pete? Like, 
I'm couples not therapy. Couples therapy, but might be couples therapy. Or no, so we did do couples therapy, and yeah. that therapist that I was telling you about, who yelled at me, was the couples therapist. Oh. yeah. So I and I, you can't treat me like that. Mm. So you know how we we've all got our different personalities. Everybody responds differently. It's the job of the the therapist to understand yeah. your personality and treat you as such. Totally. And I don't believe that I was being treated the right way for somebody who is not right in the mind, who's still really vulnerable. So I'm like, I'm not, I don't want to do this anymore with this person. Mm-hmm. So um, my psychiatrist recommended a couples therapist who is a not, not psychiatrist, psychologist. psychologist. Yeah. So we start with this woman who is so hard to get into next week oh that's exciting very excited see pat on the back ash like that's another thing you've managed to do yeah and book in yeah like give yourself some more credit okay you know like that's you've come so far yeah and and this will be another stepping stone in the right direction it's Mm. not like we have the fucking money to even throw at it either (laughs) i'm I'm selling shit on marketplace not not lying some bitch is coming to pick up a pot that i sold tonight and that's gonna go towards the therapist hundred bucks. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's so I've got to sell three other pots now to get and to that's pay for the session. one session. This is all the sacrifice you're doing for your relationship because you love your husband. Yeah. And husband? No, I'm not married. Boyfriend. Yeah, he's my Baby boyfriend. Daddy. <laughs> Baby daddy. Baby daddy. Yeah. I do in front of the kids I refer to him as the um, boyfriend. <laughs> my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and Pete's like, you could say partner and I'm like, nah, you're still my boyfriend. You're my BF. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, before we started recording, you were talking about imposter syndrome. I'm actually really shocked to learn that you have, like, you don't think of yourself. Like, I think when someone has such a confident personality like yours and so, like, honest, I'm I'm more shocked to learn that about you. Like, I didn't realise that that's something that you – yeah. in my head, I'm like, oh, she's so sure of herself. She knows, like oh, – Elements of me, yes, I yeah. am sure of. Um I'm very, but I'm very um, sensitive and, you know, if I say something, if I don't think before I speak and just blurt something out that might actually offend someone, I I reel from that, I reel from that. Like I feel bad that I've offended you. It wasn't my intent. Mm. I'm never, I'm never going out of my way to make someone feel like a piece of shit, no. like ever. If I say something that comes across the wrong way, it wasn't ever my intention. Mm. And so if I feel like in the moment you don't say to me, oh, that actually hurt my feelings, but I hear from someone else that I've hurt your feelings and then I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And then I just like I dwell on it, you know. Mm. That's bad. But that's my empathetic part of my personality you know I have I have empathy I'm an empathetic person I can be cutting um and I'll fuck you up if you mean to me you know I'll just that's it Mm. but that is I'm learning a lot about myself still to this day I didn't know that I had imposter syndrome I didn't Mm. know until I had to start making my own money and supporting my children and thinking of things outside of the box that were going to make money, that I actually had that. Mm. Because I'm not going to go and get an office job. I'm not going to go and get a nine-to-fiver. That's not how my personality likes to live. Uh, It doesn't bring me joy. That's not how I'm going to make my money. I quite like 
um, I kind of like difficult situations randomly. Can't hardly tell. <laughs> it's just so – it's strange. I leave things to the last minute but that kind of stress I feed off mm. in a way. That's how you're going to get it done. Yeah, it's how I get it done. Yeah, yeah, I know but if you just tell yourself like because you're telling yourself that's what you feed off and that's what you like but it's like – but it's so detrimental to your health. You kind of have to switch your thinking where you're like, no, I don't like that. I like to get things done like – I remind myself of that time where I called up the big boss of seven and just got it done. Yeah. And I don't know why that would be different to me. I don't know why I'm afraid of failing. Mm. Is being in the public eye really exhausting for you, do you think? And that then plays on as adding another layer into being a mum and doing all the normal things that we're doing and everyone's doing and everyone mum doing, but you also have to have this other layer of that you might walk down the street and someone be like... I definitely think... Um, Pete forgets that I am like I don't want to like yeah I, I'm I'm an influencer and I have a lot of followers on Instagram and people do recognize me in the street um, I'm not always on you know I'm not I'm not putting makeup on and getting dressed to go and like I look like shit doing the groceries and people will stop me and ask me for pics and I won't be like no I don't have any makeup on mm. like, yeah, I'll be like yeah okay whatever but I think Pete forgets but maybe he doesn't even think about it, um, that that sometimes can be sort of bubbling in the background or but look at those people staring. Like people do weird staring and weird like mm. secret photography and that freaks me out. Totally. That still freaks me out. Yeah. I'm like – Especially with the girls around. Yeah. Why are you doing that? Yeah. yeah. Like please don't do that. I did actually call someone up on it one day. I was like, listen, if you want to pick, just ask. That's mm. creepy what you're doing. Yeah. It's <laughs> fucking weird. But also on Instagram, I'm – I'm pretty real on Instagram. Um, you know, Instagram can be very fake. Mm. You don't see the whole part of my life, but you see a f- good chunk of it. And that in itself is tiring mm. because I do have to maintain that because that's that's my bread and butter right yeah. there. And I love my followers who are completely and utterly, they have got my back. Mm. If anyone comes onto my platform and speaks ill of me, they're going to get fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I love about my followers. They're always complimentary um, and they bolster me. And that's crazy because I've never met these people. Mm. This is the world we're living in. It's mental. So there is that stress to keep up with that. It's very tiring. It's fucking hard making content, mm. editing it all when it's not your – do you know what I mean? Not complaining. Admire. But it's hard. It's, it's work. Yeah. Um, and you've still got all these other bits and pieces to go, but I'm also still aspiring to be something else as well. Yeah. And to do other things. And it's difficult to – you know, take the chains off and rid yourself of darkness and whatever that you've been going through in the past and move forward. That can be hard. Mm. That can be hard. But I did say in a recent post that I feel like I am coming out of that shadow. It's taken ages, but I'm coming Mm. out of that stage. But it's taken time, it's taken effort um, and money Mm. Yeah, because – for some reason or another, our fucking healthcare system in terms of getting help for mental issues is not great. Mm. 
What's your plan going forward? I, I, I feel like I, sh- I should journal. I yeah. should – I actually really need to meditate. I need to quieten my mind somehow. Um, and, I, yeah, that's a focus that I really need to do and action instead of fucking talk about is quieten my mind mm. so that I can then become clearer in other aspects of my life, um, build my confidence um, – repair my relationship and you know doing all of those things can make me a better mother Mm -hmm. because I have to focus on getting myself better Mm. in order to be a better mum a better partner etc girlfriend 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 Better miso. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. I think that our followers will really e- relate to a lot of the things that you've said. Thank you. That's another Mr. Mums episode done and dusted. We hope you loved it. Thanks so much for tuning in. We really appreciate your support. And to further your support, again, we would absolutely love your time. If you could leave us a rating or a review, it would just mean the absolute world to us. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank Bye. you.